0: I don't know about you. Some of you may have seen that a few weeks ago. That never gets old to me, right? Just seeing people scared. Why is it that we bring so much personal pleasure by seeing other people experience pain? Anybody? I think that's so, so true, but so crazy and so funny at the same time. Once again, thanks for being here. As Chris said, we're so glad that each and every single one of you have chosen to be with us, either in this room or joining us live online. We believe that today. Can be both very hopeful and helpful to you. So we're excited that you've chosen to be um, at Encounter Church. Happy St. Paddy's Day weekend, right? It's fun when it kind of falls on a weekend. Um, I don't know about you, but like, I'm, this is green. Is it too late? I forgot yesterday. No, all weekend. It's all weekend. Thank you. Thank you. I was that kid in school that didn't wear green because I liked the attention. Any other confessors? You're like, really? Did you just say that? I know this is not a counseling session, but there are some of you that did the same thing growing up. Raise your hand if you did not wear green on purpose. All right, there's three of you that need counseling with me. Good. I mean, I, I, I just like the attention, right? So actually yesterday I forgot, heard about St. Paddy's Day. I'm like, oh yeah, St. Patty's Day. But when you're uh, home with your kiddos and they remind you, uh, we, we had a good time. Anyhow, hope you had, that you had a great weekend um, and uh, we're glad that you're here. Today we're finishing up a series called Scared to Death and this is week three. And two weeks ago, our pastor Chris talked about Psalm 23 and about how King David, in the midst of his chaos, because he experienced plenty of chaos in his life, he could look beyond the chaos, right? Because there was hope that God offered in the future. And last week, we talked about even though fear is something that we cannot get rid of. We cannot alleviate fear from our lives. There is a way that we can actually rise above the fear. Sometimes they're reasonable fears, sometimes they're unreasonable, but there's nothing you can do, nothing you can say to get rid of the fear that you experience in your life, right? It's going to be there. It's going to come. It is inevitable, but with God's help. You can rise above those fears. You can live beyond them, and you can see beyond them. Some of you may remember from last week, we actually talked about a definition of fear. And some of those key words that I mentioned to you last week was that fear always seems to be something that's based in the future, right? And I use the word looming, and if you remember the word potential loss, looming potential loss fears are sometimes crazy. Actually, the majority of the time they're crazy because they're always based on something in the future. And most of the time when it doesn't happen, that thing that you thought would come true, the boogeyman that you used to think was under your bed, or the person that you love that you think they're never going to come home, something's going to happen to them, then they drive in the driveway and you're like... Okay, there's nothing to be afraid of. Or the boogeyman never gets you, right? Depending if you're a kid or you're an adult, there's all these fears. Or the the time you jumped in the ocean and you did not get bitten by a shark. Even though every time you get in the ocean you think you're gonna be bitten by a shark, right? Raise your hand in this room if you've ever been bitten by a shark. Okay, I'm so glad no one raised their hand, right? Because that would have ruined the illustration. I've been like, I'm so sorry. All right, next point, right? (laughs) Yes, it happens, but but the likelihood's so small, right? But we always deal with these things that might happen in the future. And fear can cripple us, can't it? Most of the time, not all the time, most of the time, they're crazy fears. They just don't make sense to us, right? And when you look back, you think, man, what a waste of my time and energy just to be afraid because it never came true. Fear is this emotion, often not a reality. It's an internal emotion that can just cripple us. But sometimes fear isn't something that's based just in the future. Fear is actually caused by the past. So purposefully, I contradicts a little bit of what we talked about last week. Oh, fear is something that might happen in the future. Sometimes you have a reasonable fear that's really personal to you in your life because of something that's happened in the past. Check out this statement with me that was going to be the foundation for us as we spend some time together this morning. Our past experiences fuel our current and our future fears. Our past experiences fuel our current and future fears. So some of you last week, because I set this tension up, could have been like, yeah, that's funny, but like my, my fears are real. And I hit on that last week. Sometimes they're, re- they're real, they're reasonable, but they come from hurt and they come from pain because so much of what you've experienced in your life can be very hurtful. It can be something that you didn't plan on. And there's a reason that you fear. There's a reason that you're dealing with something inside your heart and inside your mind. It's because of what's happened to you. And sometimes these can be comical, and sometimes these can be so, so very serious. I had a conversation this week with someone based on the message last week. and something that they're dealing with that's very serious, and they need help. So much of what's happened in the past is the very reason that we're dealing with the fear that you're dealing with right now is because of what's happened in the past. I remember playing in minor league baseball. I loved uh, baseball. I was playing first base, and don't exactly remember the age—maybe around fifth or sixth grade. But there was a fly ball, and I don't know about you, but uh, I think in sports we just love the opportunity to to catch a foul ball, right? Especially one that's like uh, very far away. As soon as the the ball leaves the bat, you think no one's going to catch this, you know? (laughs) And the famous last words are "Watch this," right? Well, I remember I was playing first base, and I'm a. left-hander, so sometimes that helps on first base, right? And so standing on first base, there was was a ball that went foul. I'll never forget it. I ran as hard as I could. And I was so focused on getting that ball, reached over, reached over the fence, had no idea that there was a fence. There was a chain-link fence. And I'm running sort of parallel with the fence, running down. I feel this stab on my stomach, and reached out. I'd love to finish this story by saying I caught the ball. Totally didn't catch the ball. <laughs> I was probably like 17 feet away, maybe like 17 inches, right? I, I wasn't even close. If I look down, there's blood running down my leg. And to this day, uh, I have a, seven scars from my belly button all the way around to the edge. Does it, is it weird for me to say belly button? That came out, and I thought, can I say belly button? <laughs> I don't know why. That's not a private word. It just sounds, oh, okay, sorry. From my, center of my stomach here belly button that's what it is what it is right from the belly button all the way around to the side there's seven scars from that chain link fence so it it, it stabbed me came out stabbed me came out stabbed me came out as i'm running down the fence and so every now and then obviously you know people will say what's what's the deal with the scars it kind of looks very purposeful right i say well it's a baseball scar every time i jump on a fence even to this day there's this fear like oh chain link fence those are nasty fences right You just don't go jumping over one of those, right? You may jump over a wooden fence and the the damage is a little bit less, but there's something inside of me because of that small experience that happened when I was, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. Every time, I don't make a habit of jumping fences, by the way. I thought about this week as I'm telling this story, like, where are you jumping fences, bro? Where are you going? Who are you going to see? What do you have in your pocket? Who are you running from? Or who are you running to, right? I don't know, I don't have the answer to that question, but I don't, I jump a lot of fences, but I remember every time jumping a fence, I think, oh, 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 watch, watch out, be slow, be careful. And every time I drive by and uh, you see a barbed wire fence or some type of fence or something, I'm like, oh, I remember, because I have these scars that remind me. But sometimes they're not, they're not that funny or not that comical. It wasn't even so deep, I didn't even need, um, I didn't even need stitches on them, right? But they left a mark. Sometimes it's something that's happened in your past, either um, something that was out of your control. What about abuse? So many people have experienced verbal, physical, sexual abuse. So many have experienced hurt and pain caused by them and caused to them that they live with to this day. And so whether it be... A situation of abuse or something on the opposite end of the spectrum, just to some type of physical pain that you experience, right? The things that have happened to you are often the cause of the very fear that you experienced last night. And the very fear that you had when you woke up this morning. The very fear that you have when you go to work tomorrow. The the very fears that you're experiencing, they're not just random, they're not just made up. They're often because of what's happened to you in your life. And how do we deal with these fears? The Bible has so much incredible things to say about how we deal with fear and how we deal with adversity. And we look into the life of Paul, and we're going to do today. We can look at the life of Jesus. We can look at the life of King David like we did two weeks ago. How do we move past these fears? Because you don't want the fears, do you? You, don't, you didn't sign up for the fears. You didn't wake up today saying, you know, I'm really concerned about this, and I'm, and I'm anticipating this is going to control me. And I'm not going to even be able to think about my work today because I'm so consumed with a thought of something that could happen or might happen. What a terrible way to live. It's a terrible way to live. But some people can't get past it because of all the hurt and because of all the pain that you have experienced. And so you know what we say? We don't say this out loud, but this is what we think. You live your life with this thought. In order to avoid pain, I will do anything at all costs, Right? this is the way we live. It's natural for us in in defense mode to say, whatever it takes, I'm going to avoid pain. Whatever it takes, I'm going to avoid fear. Whatever it takes, I want to be in control. This is the illustration that's often used and referenced it last week of a child learning to not touch something that's hot or getting too close to a fire, right? They say, hey, that's going to hurt me. And so I'm going to back up. But fear is not that easy. It's not that easy simply to identify something that hurt us in the past and say, I'm just not going to deal with that or an emotion that you don't even know you're going to experience this afternoon or tomorrow or this week or in the months and years to come, and you say, you know what, I'm just not gonna think that way. And the next day is just poof, gone. It's not that easy, is it? I wish it were, but it's not. But listen, in order to avoid pain, what do we do? In order to avoid pain, we, number one, take control. The first thing that we do in order to avoid pain is we take control. Now, simply said, this can say, you know what? I am not going to let someone else make the decision. I'm going to take control of this. And so in the illustration I shared earlier on baseball, I, this is easy. As soon as the fly ball goes out of bounds, what do I do? I stop. I look at that fence. And you can see the fear in a professional baseball player's eyes, right? Which doesn't, which doesn't happen too, too often. You can see them the their eyes. When they look down, they look up. They look down, they look up. And they have a decision to make. Do I run or do I stop? Now, they're gifted, so maybe we should go with the minor league rookie mistakes, right? Just run into the fence and not even pay attention. I didn't didn't even know it was there, right? But we take control. We say, you know what? I'm going to be in control here. And so we make a decision, a purposeful decision to make sure that we avoid pain. Number two, we withdraw in isolation. In order to avoid the pain, we withdraw in isolation. This is what happens when someone has experienced a pain in the past like abuse where they say, you know what, I I don't want anything to do with someone else encroaching on my territory, and so I withdraw. I withdraw. This is when the baseball player says, I'm I'm tired of getting hurt, so I'm not going to play, right? I'm done with this. I don't want to deal with the injuries. We withdraw. Sometimes they're serious things. (laughs) Sometimes they're not. But the third thing that we do is we criticize. How do we respond to uh, pain? We criticize it. Why? Because we don't like it. And so we react either personally or emotionally, physiologically, emotionally. We respond to it by criticizing. But the truth is, is that you've been wounded. And that's the very reason that you experience some of the things that you're experiencing experiencing today. And how do we deal with this? I know that you don't want to live a life that just takes control because of the things that have happened to you. I know that you don't want to live a life that you just withdraw because you don't want other people to hurt you. And I know that you don't want to live a life of just criticizing, right? Reacting to all the people that are causing fears, all the people that have hurt you. You want to live a life that's different, don't you? And just to think about these three things and these experiences in your life, what if they were different? What does what the person do that, is the one that is taking control. One that loses control is what? One that completely trusts. Some of the marriages that are, um, I would not say in a sense destined to, <laughs> destined to fail, but some of the marriages that are not set up for success are those that enter marriage with a tremendous amount of hurt and baggage that has not been dealt with. Everyone would enter a relationship with baggage. Everyone enters a relationship with hurt. And mistakes and pains. But some of those that are set up for failure and set up to not succeed are those relationships that have never fully dealt with an experience of the past. Why? Because you cannot and will never be in a good relationship if you don't learn to trust someone else. And there's a good reason. I've talked to people. I'm like, I understand why you don't trust your spouse, even though they're not the ones that hurt you. It's understandable why some people that have been hurt in the past by parents, by family members, by other people, it's understandable why they can't trust other people. I know you and I sometimes might not understand that, but there is a reason some of you in this room and some of you listening online have a hard time trusting people. It's because you've been hurt. But don't you want to move from a lack of trust and taking control in your life to moving to a place of great trust? Don't you want to move away from being the person that withdraws in isolation because you don't want to be hurt to being a person that just says, you know what, I'm willing to be intimate with you. I'm willing to let the the guard down. I'm willing to be real. I'm willing to be honest. I know that you want to get there, as do I. It's a hard place to get to for some people because of what's happened to us in the past. This incredible uh, few verses of the scripture that we're going to read today comes from the life of Paul. I mentioned him briefly last week, but Paul was someone that we can say has credibility to say what we're going to read about today. You've all experienced sometimes when someone's speaking to you and they're, they're trying to communicate, I understand what you're going through. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, no, you don't. <laughs> you know, did you hear what I said, right? I know how frustrating that is when you're talk, talking to someone about what's happened and you're talking to someone about what you're going through and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they start talking about themselves. Anybody experience that? How frustrating that is? Well, there's credibility in certain portions of the scripture where someone's telling about, um, someone's telling about their pain. And the apostle Paul talks about his past life a lot. Now, before we called him the apostle Paul, right? And the teacher. He was a man that lived a life um, attacking believers, and he was a man that lived his life against first-century Christianity. And in fact, in fact, he talks about in the Bible the people that he hurt, and he talks about the people that he killed. And he realized, like King David we read about in Psalm 23 a few weeks ago, that he had bloodshed on his hands, that he was responsible for taking other people's lives. Now, if a man were on stage communicating to you and talking to you like the Apostle Paul could today and sharing about his past life and telling you about the blood that was on his hands, you would listen, wouldn't you? you say, tell me about that experience, right? There's plenty of people that have bloodshed on their hands that have not learned from their mistakes. There's plenty of people like you and I could relate in our own stories. We can say, you know what? I've learned from my mistakes. Let me tell you about my mistakes. Let me tell you what I learned. Let me tell you why I'm not the person I was when that happened. Well, Paul tells his story about his experience with God. Before God was a rough life, right? And even after the time that he had spent his time attacking Christians, killing Christians in first century, he also had a season of his life where he was obviously very well educated. He knew the law. He not just knew the law, he was a teacher of the law. He taught other teachers of the law. You couldn't talk Old Testament with him and and find one way to to know something that he didn't know. He was educated, he was smart, but he didn't believe in the life of Jesus until he had an experience with him. And talk about a man that had to get past his past, because that's the problem with all of us. And everyone, not just some of you, right? That's the problem with all of us. We have past decisions that we regret, yes? We have past things that have happened to us, some that we didn't choose, but things that were done to us and that we have to get past. But it's not so easy. because you say, Jason, there's a reason I'm scared of filling the blank. The reason I don't want this to happen because it's happened before. There's a reason I'm struggling today because they've hurt me. And there's a self-defense mechanism where we respond to people that hurt us and things that have happened to us. And we go, no, I'm going to take control here. I'm going to be smart, right? So that Cadillac commercial um, again, Matthew McConaughey, I think he's in every car commercial. He's probably in this one. He's in the passenger seat. He's in the driver's seat. He's probably in the back seat, too. Like, I don't think he was in this one. But the Cadillac commercial, they're like the first hands free. I'm like, not me, bro. I don't care what you say. I don't care about your technology. I'm going to watch someone else do it. If you go out and buy that first car, I am not riding with you to lunch. <laughs> I don't care. I, I'm going to take control because I don't trust the fact that that car is going to see the white lines or whatever, whatever it does, right? That's crazy to me. I'm like, <laughs> I was watching that commercial last time, thinking, I don't care. I, I don't care who, I don't know. Who would buy that first card to just test this out? I know it's been tested, but it ain't gonna, you know, it's not going to work on me, because I want to take control. There's a reason some of you want to take control, because you know what happens when you've trusted others, and it hurts. The life of Paul understood what it meant to be hurt and understood what it meant to hurt others. He experienced an incredible amount of pain, some that was caused by himself and some that he caused, right? In the Bible, in Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read these verses to you. We'll um, read along. There's a few verses I want to read. So we're going to read a few verses and chat a little bit about it and then read a few more. And so I want to read to you a little bit about his experience and uh, kind of fill in the blanks as we go along. Philippians chapter 3, we'll start in verse 7. Paul says, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. For the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. In the participation in his sufferings. Paul said, whatever were gains to me, the past, I now consider loss. Now, the gains to him, he thought at one point in his life, because of his education, because of his experience, and because of his participation in taking care of Christians, right? And the way that he did, he thought he had incredible gains of the past. He thought he was righteous. He thought he was doing right in God's eyes. And there are even world religions today that believe that some of the things that we see as sin and as displeasing to the Lord. There are beliefs that people have today, but by killing other people, they can please God. What a warped view, right? But there are people that believe that. And Paul experienced something very different, but similar in some sense, that he believed what he was doing was right and there was bloodshed on his hands. But he says, you know what? Whatever were gains to me in the past, I consider it all loss, Right? And so many of you, if sitting in Paul's boat, you could say, I don't, I don't understand how you could just say, consider that all lost, right? Consider that all the past. That's not something you forget. One of the things as a pastor, I'd say even take off the pastor hat as a moment, just as a as a Christian, as a Christ follower, as a as a person that has faith in God. One thing that I don't say very often at all, and don't like to hear being said, even though I get the sentiment, and maybe some of you have said this, I'll explain it, but forgive and forget. Raise your hand if you've heard that. Okay, pretty much everyone in the room, right? Just forgive and forget. Everybody say this with me. Ain't possible. possible. Say it with me again. Ain't possible. It ain't. And ain't is in the dictionary, right? People say ain't in the dictionary. You say a word long enough, it's going to work its way in there, right? It is an official word now, you wordsmith, grammarians, whatever that is, right? Ain't possible. You can forgive, but you can't forget. I love, this is what the, you know what the Bible says about God, the way that he forgives, the way that he loves. We're going to get to this in just a moment when I say a few more things about God's love. The Bible says that God forgets our sin when he forgives us. He wipes it, he wipes it away. That's an unbelievable mark of God's forgiveness, an unbelievable truth that we see in the scripture, that when God offers forgiveness, he takes that and he pushes it aside. He wipes it as far as the east is from the west. Is that pretty far? Right? It's even hard to fathom. What does that even mean? Like he wipes it away. It's gone. But King David, I can mention a few other parts throughout scripture where where people talk about their sin and they can't get past it. You know what King David said one time? This is recorded in in one of his psalms in the Bible. My sin is ever before me. You know what that means? Literally, it's like right in front of me. You ever had a past experience that you just can't stop thinking about? The other night my son called me upstairs and said, Daddy, um, I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. <laughs> kind of a funny conversation, but I want to make sure I'm like going to heaven, and what if I don't? And he's asking all these questions, and I'm like, well, why? He goes, well, I have all these bad thoughts. I'm like, well, what kind of bad thoughts? He goes, they're bad, they're bad words. I don't want to say them. I'm just thinking about them a lot. I'm like, okay, don't say them. Just think them. What kind of words? <laughs> like, whisper them to me. He goes, go to hell? You know, I'm like, okay, that's good. Don't say that. My son did get in trouble for at school one day for telling his class. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> terrible. He's like, well, he talks about heaven, he talks about hell. Some people may go to heaven, some people might go to hell. I'm like, don't ever tell your third grade class that. Right? And so yeah, we're we're talking about that. I'm saying, like, Josiah you hear bad words. People say bad words. There's nothing wrong with hearing those words or thinking about those words. Just don't say them. I'm talking him, trying to give him some consolation, you know, trying to make him feel better. You know? And he has these fears right in, inside of him. Right, and We all have these thoughts, we all have these actions, we, and we, we feel bad about them. Right, Paul had a lot to feel bad about folks He had a lot that he could live with. And in some sense, Paul couldn't say, my sin is now forgotten. No, it ain't possible. His sin's ever before him, right? But he says, I consider it a loss. It's just, it's gone. Wouldn't you love to say that about your past? Right? Just gone. Some of you could say, yeah, it's gone, but the pain. It's gone, but I'm still living with the consequences. Of course. There's always a linger from the past, right? We, we want to say it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. And then Paul says, from saying that it's a loss, he goes in talking about the goodness of God, the righteousness of God. And he says all these phrases, and I will to pick back up right where I don't exactly know where it is on the screen, but around where it says, yeah, we'll start there. And so somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. Let's keep reading. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In the middle of this, Um, Philippians 7, verse 7 through 14, he talks about the forgiveness. He says this, there's a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Coming from a life that experienced much bloodshed, he says, it's all a loss. (laughs) It's in the past. You know what he says? That he was made right with God. Just a few weeks ago, I, I, I well, last week I shared that my father passed away just over a month ago. And I remember him telling me really in the last two years of his life how he had been made right with God. And I often thought about Philippians 3, right? That he, in my dad's words, he would say, I've made my peace with God because he knew his life and he knew that he needed forgiveness just like you and I do. Well, Paul, this is what Paul was saying, that I'm right with God. In the same way that you've heard maybe people say things like that in their own words, and I'm, I'm at peace with God, I'm right with God. You know what Paul said? All those things that I've done, all those experiences that I've had, they're they're in the past now. They're gone, right? They're they're, they're a loss because I have been made right with God. But the being made right with God, and he explains it here even in in these few verses. The reason that Paul was made right with God was because of what Jesus did for him and you and I on the cross. And that Jesus died on the cross. And in the life of Jesus, he, he described what he would do in the life of Jesus, he said that he was going to give himself as a ransom for the life of people so they could have eternal life in Christ. And he's, you see it here, and you see it in other passages where the Bible teaches that if anyone would have faith in Christ, and it's through Jesus Christ, through the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers on the cross, that you can have forgiveness and you can be right with God. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. It doesn't matter what you have done or what's been done to you, that you can be made right with God. Paul says, I'm right with God. He had plenty of things in his past that have dealt with, that he's dealt with, plenty of things that have caused him pain in the current, and then plenty of things that I'm sure have caused pain in the future. And in fact, late in his life, Paul talked about some things that he was dealing with that he never seemed to get victory over. In his language, he says, that there was a thorn in his flesh. It might felt like there was a thorn in your side. You just can't get rid of it. Well, Paul talks about that. He gives an illustration. It could have been a physical pain. It could have been a struggle, a life struggle that he had, but he never seemed to shake it. And he lived with it. You don't become a Christ follower and all of a sudden life problems just go away, right? We're not saying that, oh, you know, the problems of the past, they all stay in the past. No, they're problems that you're dealing with right now and problems in the future. Well, Paul says that I have attained righteousness through faith in Christ. And it's because of his faith in Jesus that he was made right. And you can too. So many of you may be exploring faith for the very first time. This may be the week where you send in a prayer request or even on the way out, talk to one of the pastors or talk to one of our key volunteers. And you say, you know what? I want to experience what Paul experienced when he says, I'm right with God. He had plenty of things in the past, but he had an experience with Christ where he was forgiven of those sins, and those sins were now in the past. But look at the end again. He says this, I don't consider myself taking hold of it. Meaning this, I'm not quite there. Anybody say that? Like I'm making progress, but I'm not quite there. He says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, and here's the key. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I want to keep that on the screen for just a few moments because this is the key. This is what he talks about because it sounds good up to this point. Yeah, I know you dealt with some stuff. You had an experience with God. You feel good about it. You moved on. How do you do that? After you have faith in Christ, and I placed my faith in Christ several years ago, I still got problems. I still have fears. I still have issues. I still look in the past. I still have struggles. And Paul could say the same thing. I place my faith in God, but it hasn't gotten easier in some sense. And when he says this forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, how is that possible? Everybody say, ain't possible. Everybody say it again. Ain't possible. You're like, wait a second. You're going to read some Bible verse to me and then say, it ain't possible, right? No, this is a perspective thing. This is a perspective challenge, right? And he says this, we must forget what is behind. We have to move on and we have to strain towards what is ahead. Now, the challenge is this. The more you're thinking about the future, the less, help me out here. The less you're thinking about the, help me again. The more you're thinking about the future, the less you're thinking about the, okay, help me out here too. The more you're thinking about the past, the less you're thinking about your, right? This is a perspective. This is a challenge. This is what Paul's living out. This is what we must live out. We must forget what is behind us and focus on what's ahead. In regards to fear, folks, this is the problem that many of you are experiencing right now because of what's happened to you in the past, because of the pain, because of the experiences that you've dealt with. You can't seem to shake it. And you can't seem to focus on the future because you're so focused on the past. How do we do this? You say, Paul, that sounds good. I want to forget the past and I want to strain towards what's ahead. You even think about that word strain. It's hard work. It doesn't happen easily. This is not the word we use for focus. This is not the word we look for look or gaze. No, no, no. Strain towards what is ahead. You look back. I know you're going to look back. I know you're going to be discouraged. I know there's going to be hurt. There's going to be bitterness. There's going to be pain. There's going to be frustration. But you got to take your eyes and you got to move them. You got to move them. And it doesn't fix the problem. It doesn't solve the problem. And sometimes it doesn't even make the pain go away. But it helps you to focus on Monday not on Saturday that's gone. Don't you want to live there? Paul could not have his eyes looking back because there wasn't a lot of good to look back on. And talk about someone with credibility giving this type of encouragement that's found in God's word. This is an incredible passage of scripture that if we take and we absorb and we say, God, I I want to respond to you. I want to be able to look forward and not look back. I don't want to be in chains or in bondage by the struggle that I've experienced in the past. Even though I have been hurt, I want to be able to look past the hurt and really look to the future. And when those moments of looking back or looking down come, I want to take my eyes off and I want to be able to move forward. How do I do that? Three things I want to leave us with today. The first thing that we have to do in order to move past our past is this, identify those past experiences. Identify your past experiences. This isn't for, my goodness, I mean, this isn't for Facebook. This is for journaling, right? I mean, take it, what if you took out a sheet of paper and you said, what are the things that have happened to me that have caused pain in my life? Some of you are like, I don't want to do that. I wouldn't want to either. (laughs) Some some people, do you know in in counseling, the number one barrier for counseling is is a lack of awareness? Number two, is a, is, a, is a lack of recognition. Number one is a, is a lack of awareness. Number two is a lack of recognition. As a student pastor, I had moms and dads that used to come to me a lot. Can you help my son or daughter? What do you think my, my response to that was? Do they want help? Now listen, and I would tell moms and dads this, and I've upset a few moms and dads in the past um, because I would say, listen, I can't help your son unless they want help. So tell them to give me a call. If the, if the child wasn't willing to make the call or the text, that's fine. Okay? 21st century communication, then I couldn't help them, right? If there's not a lack of awareness or a lack of recognition, you ain't gonna get help. And so this is personal for you. I know it's personal. So this is just between you and a piece of paper. What if you took out a piece of paper and just said, you know what? I'm gonna write some past experiences. This caused me hurt. This caused me pain. This caused me hurt. This caused me pain. Because I'm telling you, if you reflect long enough on what you write down, you're going to see that those things are still causing problems today and they will cause problems in the future when you think about all the things that you're concerned about, all the things that you're fearful of happening. Sometimes you can recognize those, sometimes they're very hard to recognize, but just identifying those can help you. Number two is this, address the past fears. Address the past fears for what they are. How do you address them? How do you recognize, and this is the recognition piece, This is you saying, this happened to me, and it hurt, and it's causing fear in my life. There's this incredible verse in the scripture that says, confess your sins one to another, and you'll be healed. And we believe in the Christian faith that we confess our sins to God, and he's the one that can do what? He's the one that can forgive us, right? Because he's God. He's a perfect God who loves us. There's a verse that says, if we confess our sins to to one another there's a healing aspect to that as well. You know how good you felt if you can recall a moment in your life when you've just been really honest about some struggles with someone, and you've looked at someone, you said, I'm sorry. Can you forgive me. Or let me tell you what's going on in my life. I just need help. And you feel like the burden's just lifted off. Or those of you that have seen a therapist or a counselor or some type of uh, doctor that's helped you, or maybe a pastor, and you've just said something, you just got it off your chest, and you feel like a world has been lifted off your shoulders, Right? because you've come out of isolation and you've moved to a place of vulnerability. There's something powerful in our lives when we address the past and we speak it out loud. This happened to me and it caused pain and it caused hurt. The third thing is this, settle them, settle them. Now this one, it ain't so easy either, right? How do we settle it? Right? Make that phone call, make it right. I, I, you know, I call a meeting. Like, what does it mean to settle them? While there are so many things that we could do to settle the hurts and the pains, the things that have happened in our past, there are so many things that you can't settle here. And I understand that. And some of you can, can even say, you know what, I, I, I could settle it, but they've passed away. Right? What am I going to do about that? Right? On the worst case scenario, you can't settle some of the problems of the past that have caused so much pain. But you know what you can do? You know what you can do? You can trust in a loving father in heaven that he can help you take your eyes off of the past and place it in the future. And the only way that Paul could settle it, and this is how I would encourage you to settle it, is by dealing with those things with God. Paul was able to settle his past. And the reason he was able to settle his past is because he realized that God forgave him of those things. And he pursued God, he confessed his sin to God, and he asked for forgiveness. And Paul was able to settle his past because he dealt with God. Did Paul go to some of the men and the women of those that he hurt? Maybe he did. Did Paul go to each and every single one of them? No, because many of them were dead. But Paul was able to settle his past. And he said, listen, I have not taken hold of it yet, as you just read on the screens with me, but I am pursuing it. I'm pursuing a life, and this is what he said, that's called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He was focused on heaven. He was focused on the future. He was not focused on what was in the past. And the only way that he could do that was that he had settled it. And the settling happens with God. And so if we're able to identify the past experiences, if we're able to address those past fears, and really be able to recognize those things, we can settle them. And we can settle them because there's a God who loves you and he can free you. But remember, while you cannot alleviate your fears, you can rise above them. And while you cannot erase them from your memory, you can come very close to what Paul came close to experiencing where he said, the past is the past. And all those things are now lost. Wouldn't it be great to come to a point of our lives where we can say, the past was hard. The past was full of hurt both that was caused to me and caused by me, but I'm focused on the future. You can do that. Why? Because there's a God who loves you. And there's a God who offered forgiveness to Paul, and that's the same God who offers forgiveness to me and forgiveness to you. And so I hope that we can rise above the fears, rise above those things that you're scared of, and rise above those things and pursue a life that's, that's free from the bondage that fear causes in our lives. So, as you move on this week, I hope that you'll take some time, maybe 10 minutes, carve out your time and just write down a few things, write down those past experiences, write down those future hurts, and just say, God, I want you to help me settle these things. As a church, as a ministry, we'd love to encourage you. Both personally, I had a great chance last week to talk to a few folks that uh, God was dealing with in their hearts. I'm so encouraged by that. We'd love to be able to help you walk with you through that. Also, life groups are a place where people can uh, join together in people's homes and, and say, you know what? I've been there, right? And it's a place where you don't have to feel like you're alone. You don't have to feel like you're in isolation. You can feel like you're doing life with other people growing together. So as you move forward this week, I hope that you'll take the time to write down those past experiences and spend some time realizing that you can settle the past, taking your eyes off of the past and focusing on the future. Let's pray.